Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. When we go on a call, we're hoping that the other person will be able to help us solve like a critical problem we have in our life right now. We're not looking for a friend. We're not looking for someone who's always going to agree with us and see eye to eye. We're looking for someone who can actually point uh, our blind spots, throw some rocks at our assumptions, and challenge us a little bit. Because why would I pay someone to who's not teaching me anything, who's not helping me grow? So like in the coaching world, it's really important that instead of trying to be nice, you take the lead, uh, you're transparent, and you call things the way they are for the benefit of this person. Whether they choose to opt in or not, that's how you make it so that the call is actually really useful for that person. Welcome back. I hope your week's been just awesome so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with coach and shamanic healer Kelly Ratani and with transformational coach and trainer Skofre Nana Yor-Yaboa, then do go listen in. But stay here, listen to today's conversation first. I'm really excited to have on the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest today, Patrick Laverne from Sales Champ Academy. Pat has 20 years experience in sales with over 10,000 sales calls done and counting. He began as a door-to-door salesperson and progressed to head of sales for a successful tech scale-up. He's been helping entrepreneurs master their sales calls since 2018. In our conversation today, Pat talked to me about reframing our view of the sales call to a conversation that provides service and facilitates a purchase decision. We talked about having the courage to give difficult messages to self first and then to others. And we talked about a fresh approach to sales that feels aligned, genuine and enjoyable. Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Patrick Laverne. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today, all the way from Montreal in Canada, Pat Laverne of the Sales Champ Academy. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Pat. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you for having me, Jürgen. Really excited to be here today with you. Karan Nijuan, who was our guest on episode 333 and appeared again in episode 485 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you, and he also introduced us, Pat. So big hello to Karan. Love it. Yeah. Now, your 
stated mission in life is to promote a transparent sales call that doesn't feel sleazy and rely on manipulation techniques. So I'm really excited to dig into that some more because I think certainly I feel very uncomfortable when I do sales calls because I feel as though you know you, you're very on the edge of of those techniques all the time using the traditional methods that people promote and so that's totally against the grain for me and I know most of my audience feel exactly the same so I'm really excited to dig into that but before we start talking about all things sales calls and transparent sales calls what's the impact you're making in the world Pat? I'd say um, very similar to you I think I'm bringing I'm like I'm I like to think of myself as someone who helps bring people together and I I just happen to do it through sales calls um, so for me, it's all about connection. And you mentioned Curran. Um, funny story, Curran and I, we just randomly bumped into, into each other on Facebook, right? I wasn't sure if he was prospecting me, if I was prospecting him. We had a little chat and he called me, like out of the blue, he just called me, just connected with me. We talked for five minutes. Then he invited me to Mexico. I said yes. He asked for my credit card number. I gave it to him, pure stranger, but I just trusted it and went to Mexico with him and just, you know, connected and made friends. And everything. so like, you know, that's, that's what I like uh, in life. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Well, obviously there's, um, there's a lot going on there that we should dig into. Um, and, and I know that um, event in Mexico must've been really fascinating. I mean, I, I saw that and I was connected to Koran and I thought, wow, I wish I could go. But it was kind of at a time when we were still in lockdown. You know, we're, we're still travel for us internationally still is a bit, um, bit dicey, a bit tricky. But um, yeah, right. Anyway, Absolutely. We'll come back to that later. So tell us a little bit more about what you do and, and why you do it. Yeah. So I work specifically with coaches and agency owners. Um, so I have a sales background. I've been doing sales for all my life. Uh, my last corporate job was back in 2017. I was um, leading a sales team for um, a tech scale-up, right? So we're selling software. And I got to a point where, I don't know, I felt like the impact wasn't really there. Like it was just like selling bigger deals, but I was not seeing any of the personal impact. So I ended up leaving the corporate world, launching my own business, and I ended up working with people who were just launching their coaching or their consulting business or their agency where I could see the genius that they bring to the world. Like, so like, let's say someone's really good at making websites and they're really passionate about it and they're like best in the industry. They're really, really good, but they are afraid to put themselves out there. They're afraid to actually um, connect with a potential client. And that's where I, I'm like, oh, I can help this because there's someone who needs their help and they have the expertise and, and you know, it's not happening. Mm. Let, let me make sure that these, you know, these connections happen. So that's what jives me every day. I, I wake up in the morning. That's what I like to do. Mm. Yeah, you, you raise a really good point there. And I wonder why I know I suffer from this too. I wonder why so many people have this mindset of, not wanting to make the sales call because it feels sleazy, because it feels manipulative. And yet, on the other hand, there's that aspect of I've got something that's really valuable to the right person. And 
and really I have a responsibility. I mean, if there's a person out there that needs what I have, I have the responsibility to make it available to them and give them the give them the choice to say yes or no to me. Whereas most of us kind of sit back and don't even offer them that choice. Oh, absolutely. What do you think? Yeah, why do you think that mindset is so prevalent? It's so funny you mentioned this because even as a sales professional, when I launched my business, I had I had the same pitfall when it came to my mindset. I was I was this new consultant. I was selling exactly what I was doing in the corporate world, but I was doing it like um, as a consultant. And I remember that that's, that's like two years ago. And I remember going on sales calls with potential clients, and I was scared. I I I wasn't sure. I'm like, yeah, I know sales, but I'm a new consultant. Hmm. And I remember I remember because I track everything. And this was my 17th call and. The first 16, it was 0 for 16. Everyone said no or let me think about it. And I just felt so awful, so bad. The 17th one, a gentleman from San Diego, um, tech company, tech startup, looking to do exactly what I helped my last employer accomplish, even less. So, like, that was so easy. So we go through the call, and he gets excited, and I get excited. And we start talking about how I can help him. He's like, oh, my God, Patrick, like, this is exactly it. And we get to the price at the end. He's like, okay, so how much is it going to cost me? Like, like, let's go. Let's do this. And I was so afraid and I so wanted this. And the mindset was so not at the right place that I quoted. I, I say, look, you're going to be my first better client. So let's do it for $2,000. And mind you, this is a job that should have been quoted like at least 25 k But I said yeah. 2000 hmm. The gentleman paused I, like, and, and he was on a Zoom call. So I saw him. Everything changed. He became livid and he looked at me. He's like, he's like, this is, this is so bad. Like, this is such a shame. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you're so low that either you don't like what you're offering is not really what we need hmm. or you're so not confident in your ability to help me that you're quoting way too low. And he's hmm. like, in both cases, I need to say that I'm going to pass, but I really wanted this. Hmm. That's when I realized I'm like, okay, this has to stop. Like, I need to, I need to get my, you know, my my head out of the gutter here. Um, mm. So that was my big. And mind you, like, I've been doing sales for 20 years, but still, uh, this happened to me. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that raises a really good point. But first of all, let me make the point that that was a great gift that that person gave you to actually give you the reason why he was he was saying no at that point. And highlight for you, hey, here's here's the issue, um, and here's why I've changed. And I guess part my... of that was he was kind of everything was falling in place for him until that last bit, and you you basically priced yourself, you priced yourself out of the job, not exactly not by going too expensive, but by going too cheap. Yeah. Uh, my wife was like, "What did you just say? What happened?" I'm like, "Oh my god, like he like that's a twenty five thousand dollar." lesson that's kind of, that's yeah. not called a mistake it's a lesson but like i made sure that like i stretched this lesson to this day and if i can help someone else like by saying this story i'm gonna say all my life yeah well i mean there's there's a whole lot of questions that brings up you know around the objections that people have or i'll the i'll get back to you which you talked about the the 16 sales calls earlier but um i think the logical next sort of question in my mind is how do you how do you price something that you have in a way that it represents the value to the client and also that 
I'm comfortable or at least I'm confident to say, hey, Patrick, here's what we're going to do. This is your investment. This is what it's going to cost you. Yeah, that's a great question. And I like I feel like you already have a piece of the answer in the question. Like it, it really is all about the value of what you bring for that other person. And it, it often like it really doesn't have anything to do with how you perceive your own value or, or your own self-worth. Um, so that's that's the first thing. So, for example, I had a client and she thought that what she was I have. OK, so I have one client in Toronto. He thought that it, what he was bringing to the table was worth seven thousand dollars. He's in the big data consulting and he's basically like he explained to me it was very complicated, very techy. But I'm like, I'm like, you're kind of like competing against IBM, like on a very specific. And he's like, yeah, and like he's like super sharp, like CFA. uh immigrant from India, like super, super sharp. And then I was like, well, I think what you have is worth like over six figure. And he was like, oh, no, no, like forget it. I'm like, no, like what do you have? Like you're solving a $2 million problem a year for a CFO of a mid-sized company. There's no way this is worth $7,000. I don't know exactly how much, but like, you know, like I'm calling bullshit on this. <laughs> and we, we landed on $150,000 uh, worth. So he still didn't believe me. So I'm like, okay, I, I told him, do two things for me. And I was his coach back then, like three years ago, one of my first clients. First thing is uh, work on your mindset. Like I'm not a mindset coach, but like you need to start believing that this is what it's worth and go talk to people. In the, so he went to talk to people in the industry, like, and he's like, okay, you're right. Like, you know, this, this, I need to stop seeing myself as a small time consultant and, and see myself as someone who can fix a problem that is worth $2 million a year. So I should be charging 150 k and I said, the second thing you do, like book us a call, like locally, I'll go with you. Like I will sit, I will, we'll have a meeting. And that was pre COVID. So we actually were in meetings in person. So we booked a call and he closed the deal on the very first meeting. And we signed, like they signed like a week after. And like the CFO was there, the, the head of HR, the VP technology. And he pitched 150K where usually he would have pitched seven. Mm. And that's like for him, I guess. To answer your question, it was really to like just just be okay with forgetting about himself for a sec, forgetting about his his own assumptions, and really targeting on like understanding who his client is and and what the value is for that client. Uh, as, so it, like forget about like the billable hours or like how much time you're going to be putting in this. Yeah, it's yeah. really all about the value of the thing, right? So yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, for me. That raises the question of how do you set that value for the client? If, I mean, for example, you you help people close sales, and so if you you're telling me, hey, I can get your sales revenue from ten thousand to a hundred thousand a month, then obviously um, that's ninety thousand by twelve, whatever that is, over a hundred thousand. A year, so I'm expecting I probably pay somewhere between ten and twenty thousand for that service to mm. get that result, and that would be a great investment to me. However, if if it's a, a service where it's okay, we save you time, or we we um, help you save your marriage, uh, help you save your marriage, yeah, so, something along those lines, yeah, um, you know, how do you how do you place value on something like that? Or we get we help you lose weight, or we help you become fitter. You know, if thinking in those 
different industries. How do you um, place value on that, that that's actually realistic and, and then relates back to what what potential clients would value? Yeah, I think a sell happens, um, a deal happens when someone realistically believes you can help them get the thing they really want. So, for example, if someone wants to lose weight and I had a client, let's say he would be in the fitness industry, I'd encourage him to figure out why does his clients or audience, like why do they want to lose weight? What are the main reasons behind that? Is it just to look good when they go like down south, like for a week? That's probably like not his best clients, but if it's for some other reason, maybe their new dad and they have like they're overweight and the doctor just said, Hey, you, you, you have to change the way you're living because you won't get to see your, your newborn daughter like get married in, in like, you know, down the road. Um, that's that like in this case, the, the weight loss, you're not selling weight loss. You're selling you going to see your daughter get married in mm. 25 years from now. And. Like, like, what's, what's the price tag on that? And I would argue that it's priceless. Like, I would argue that whether you sell this 5,000 or 10,000, whatever, if they believe that you're the right person to make sure that they, they change their lifestyle and they get to where they want to go, they will go for it. Hmm. So it's really getting to know the need be, behind the need or the motivation behind the need of, of your clients. So you really need to niche niche down specifically right because you could say well i help people lose weight or you could say well i help um overweight fathers who want to see their kids get to whatever graduation marriage um be around and be healthy when that is yeah there's always like a personal impact like there's like an like an underlying reason why people want the thing so we don't sell the thing we sell like the thing behind the thing if that makes sense yeah yep absolutely all right well let's come back to that sales conversation and and the transparency in the sales conversation and doing it in a way that serves the client and it's not sleazy um two two thoughts there First of all, what's your recommendation of how to go about that? Secondly, how do you bring the mindset of this conversation itself is a service to the client and is going to help them regardless of what the outcome is, whether they decide to work with me and pay me for, for what we do or not? How, how many hours do we have for this <laughs> one question? <laughs> um, the first thing I would say is like, you know, we call this a sales call, but it really has nothing to do with selling. So the first advice I would be, I would just say, stop trying to sell people. Yeah. That's why we feel bad. Like we, we come from integrity. We, we don't like to try to sell something to people because we feel that it's forced. We feel that it, it's like trying to shove something down someone else's throat. And that's not what we want. We want to like we want people to come to us, um, and say, Hey, Jurgen, I really, I really want to do business with you. Right. So that's what we aspire to and it makes sense it's natural so run your calls in a way that this is actually going to happen right so for example for me when i do my calls i i don't use any like like manipulative tactics so like in our industry for example I, it's been the big the big craze for the past few years people say at the end of the call they say jürgen 
usually it's ten thousand dollars, but if you yeah. buy today on this call, or you know yeah, what yeah. I'm doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I love I love people who take action. I love fast action taker. It proves to me that you're gonna be successful. If you choose to join today, I'm gonna cut you like fourth like we all know it. So of course if, if you're being taught these things and you go on calls and you try to follow a script and you and you try to do something which is which your mom wouldn't be proud of you, like of course <laughs> you're gonna feel bad. Right? Yeah. So you don't, we don't, so like I, I, my, my, my point of view here is we really don't need this when the call is done correctly. And the way to do the call is instead of trying to sell to someone, make them want to purchase. And, and so you facilitate a purchase and not for everyone. So that's the second point. I don't mm. try to, I don't try to bring everyone into my program. I actually always look forward to disqualifying someone on my call. I'm always the one looking for a reason to say no like this is actually not a good fit and because i come from integrity and because i do disqualify 30 40 percent of the you know the people and i always do it like you know uh I, i'm you know i'm being nice about it but i just say hey Jurgen, like here's a reason why i'm not the best fit right now no, no, no. we have a conversation but then i just let them off nicely so when i do this a, I don't bring people who come in my program who are not the best fit, which is saving me a lot of time and effort, and, and it ensures that my program actually gets everyone results. And two, when I talk to someone that who really is a great fit, I have so much confidence, and you need the confidence on your call, right? I have some like they they look at me like, oh my god, this guy really believes he can help me, which is a really important like uh, component of the call, uh, the self confidence. Hmm. Yeah, I love that. So it's, it's almost like taking the opposite approach. So we're on this sales call right now, and my job is to actually filter you out. Um, and and I've got some hurdles, yeah, put in your way. And only if you get it, and if you get over all of the hurdles and get to the last hurdle, then I say, oh, okay, well, I couldn't filter you out, so you're in. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the vibe. People like. The vibe is this. You want people to, when they think of you, they're like, Jurgen is passionate about what he does, but he doesn't need to sign me today. He doesn't need my money today. And so, so that's what I mean by you're not trying to sell them. You're just letting them come to you. But the way that we construct the call, the idea is like very simple. You try to like eliminate for them, there, there's a risk. Like if they, if they choose to go with you, there's a risk. The, the risk of this not working out, the risk of losing money, the risk of their ego being bruised because they went with you, it didn't work in my hypothetic scenario. So like there's a, there's a, a ton of risk. So if you can reduce that risk to the point where all that's left is the excitement of them fixing their problem with your help, it'd be like this, the, this, the purchase becomes so easy with this buyer. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's um, really great advice. And, um, so, you know, one of the things you talk about is that being nice actually hurts your ability to land clients. And, mm. and is that what you mean? This sort of, you know, being nice is, oh, okay, all right, I'll take you on board rather than, well, I don't think you're a good fit right now. It's a great example. Like I call this inside of my program, I call this being a Ned Flanders. So if you've ever watched The Simpsons, uh, for those of you who did, Ned Flanders is uh, Omer Simpson's uh, neighbor. And he's just super nice all the time. And I see this a lot in our industry, but like across multiple industries, um, people seem to have this, this strategy, which is completely wrong, but the strategy goes like this. 
I'm going to be nice to Jurgen because if I'm nice to him, he's going to like me, and if he likes me, he's more than like like he's more likely to buy from me, hmm. right? So what that means is yes, like you don't filter out ever anyone. You 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 try to just be nice, but also more importantly, you don't challenge people. And when we go on a call to solve, it, and we're hoping that the other person will be able, will be able to help us solve like a critical problem we have in our life right now. We're not looking for a friend. We're not looking for someone who's always going to agree with us and see eye to eye. We're looking for someone who can actually point uh, our blind spots, throw some rocks at our assumptions, and challenge us a little bit. Because why would I pay someone to who's not teaching me anything, who's not helping me grow? Um, so, like in the coaching world, it's really important that instead of trying to be nice, you just are. You take the lead. Uh, you're transparent and you, and you, and you call things the way they are for the benefit of this person. Whether they choose to opt in or not, that's how you make it so that the call is actually really useful for that person. I've had people send me a tip on PayPal on a sales call, even though like they were disqualified or they end up not joining. But like this, like you said one thing, Pat, you, you shook me to my core. This is worth two hundred dollars. Let me send you a tip for two hundred dollars on PayPal, <laughs> right? That's the le- that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's great. So it, it it comes back to that idea that it's it's not the purpose of the call is not to sell, it's to serve, isn't it? It's and and even those people that you, I was going to say reject, but reject's a bad word here. Those those people that. You say we're not a good fit right now. It's not the right time. My program isn't exactly what you need, or it sounds like you've got to do some other work first before what I do can actually help you and have an impact. Even that is value, and if you you give that value and you send people away like that, they've they've gotten some value out of the call, and they're much more likely to come and talk to you again, even if it's a different conversation. Exactly. I mean, in in this industry, the coaching industry, I, I, very often I see people they they pour their soul. They do like content marketing. They go on Facebook. They go on YouTube. They pour their soul. They tell their story. They're they're themselves. And then when they sign a client, they're themselves with their client. But between when the sell call the sales call happens, they're not themselves, and they're like awkward and trying to sell, and they say these mm-hmm. things. I'm like, no, you're right. Like the sales call is part of the relationship. The relationship doesn't start when someone joins your program. It starts before, right? So be yourself like throughout the entire process. Yeah, I love that. Um, sales call is part of the relationship, part of the relationship building. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, let's come back to the example you mentioned earlier with Karan where he, um, you got on a call and he told you about the Mexico trip and, and what he was planning to do there and what value that might bring for you um, and you you basically paid on the call so how how do we get to that point of having the ability to have that conversation qualify the person on the call and then actually make the sale and get the payment get the decision sort of because often what happens even in you know in the best of sales calls is that the, the prospect will say okay well let me think about it i'll get back to you or um, I've got to go talk to my partner, or I've got to, um, yeah, I've got to check yeah. something else, or I've got to wait till this project comes on board, so I've got more cash flow. Uh, how do we, how do we 
get to the point of a decision on the call, even if the decision is, look, it's not the right time, I can't afford it right now, whatever it is, it's it's a clear no, it's not, I'll get back to you and you're kind of waiting. This is a really good question and I've actually asked myself this question like a few weeks <laughs> after, like what the hell just happened? Because I need to say, I'm not in the habit of randomly giving my credit card number to people on the internet that I don't know. And I wasn't shopping. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. shopping for, for like a retreat in Mexico at all. Like I had just moved to Montreal. Uh, biz, like I was super busy and he reached out like out of my busy day. So let's dive into it. So I guess I'm just going to try to recollect what happened. He reaches out on the Facebook Messenger and I think I, I, I liked one of his posts. Like he popped on my feed. You know, that's how usually I, mm. and he did the right thing. Like he reaches out. But not in a, like, hey, would you be in, like, he just reaches mm. out and just say, hey, I say, hey, right off the bat, he calls me. Who does that? He calls me, like, like Facebook video. Mm. And I'm like, oh, uh, okay, sure. Uh, let me put a shirt on. <laughs> and then I, I pick up the call and I'm like, hey, man. He's like, hey, I thought I'd call. And he's just, current's just like being current. He's, he's take, he's taking a walk in his neighborhood in Toronto. And, uh, and I recognize the neighborhood because he actually happens to live on the same street that I lived for five years not so long ago. I'm like, uh -huh. oh, like, yeah. you know, this is cool. Yeah. He's like, yeah. So we just, we just talk for like, I don't know, 10 minutes. So he's like, hey, what are you about? Like, okay, this is what I do. Like, but he's not, I don't feel like we're just establishing a relationship, like at the very beginning of a relationship. But mm. the vibe is, wow, like this guy's cool. He, like, he, he's ballsy. Like he just calls me. And then we hang up. So it was, there was no, I don't know if that was like, you, which you have to ask him, maybe bring him mm. back on a podcast a third time, but I didn't feel like it was like planning anything. So we hang up, we wish each other well, you know, and we'll, we'll keep in touch. And then he reaches out 30 minutes later and he's like, Hey, uh, my girlfriend just like, Reminded me that I have a free spot, I have a free spot that opened up because I have a cancellation. And again, like knowing current, like I know it's not fake, but like mm. if it's true, use it. But if it's not true, don't use it. Uh, so he's like, do you want to come? Like, and I, I had, I didn't see his landing page or any marketing collateral. I don't know the guy. All I have is what I just explained, mm. right? And I'm like, you know, just based on the vibe. I bought, uh, I, I didn't hear, it was like, no, my, my mind was like, no, don't do this. This is stupid. I really wanted to, like, my heart wanted to go for it for whatever mm -hmm. reason. And, and this is important because oftentimes I see people do sales calls and they're all here. They're like trying to explain yeah. the features and yeah, yeah, this is so, and they're here, but people don't buy from here. From here, people are looking for reasons to not buy. But if you can dig here and if you can really connect with someone and the heart wants it, we're going to rationalize it. The head yeah. is going to follow the heart and the head is going to find all the right reasons to rationalize it. And that's what happened for me in this specific example. Hmm. Yeah, you make a really good point there. It's it, it's the usually we make an emotional decision on sales if we really want something and then we kind of rationalize it with our minds. And I I look at some of the purchases I make in, in the hobbies that I'm passionate about, that cycling or photography. And it's very much, I, I, I always reflect back and it's very much like that. I see a new lens and yes, I look at, ah, oh, that'd be cool to have that. Cause I, um, the last one I bought was a, 
a big long telephoto. That'd be cool. I can take some really great shots of wildlife, which I love doing. So immediately I've got this emotional connection. Then I want that. Okay, well, what's it cost? Can I afford it? Yep. Okay, good. I'm done. And and then I go back and say, well, hang on. Let's have a look at is there another lens like that out there? Is this the best one? And so then my mind kicks in and I start to uh, compare. So that's my analytical style. I start to compare. Is this actually the best one? Oh, okay. This this one's actually better and it's only a little bit more expensive. So then the emotion kicks in again. Yeah. I'll forget that money, that extra money, because it's better, right? Exactly. And then, and then I then I buy it, and then I come back and I rationalize it, and usually I've got to go explain it to my wife. So that's where mind kicks in. So I've got to explain here's what I can do with it. Yeah. Exactly. It, that's exactly it. Yes. So my mind really did not want to do this move because I had just moved. Uh, to be completely honest, like I I'm going through it, I was going through a divorce at that time. I'm like, no, like, let's hold on to the money. Let's make sure, like, let me land on my feet. It's not time to go do, like, you know, retreat in Mexico. But the heart wanted it, and we made it happen, and thank God I did, because something amazing. So, but that was enabled because of Curran's approach, right, mm. which was very heart-centered. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's lots lots of lessons in that, and I'm, I, I think we did cover a lot of that in, in Curran's last appearance, so I encourage people to go back and listen to what we talk about there um one of the you know you touched on this a couple of times this idea of make the decision now you know this this idea of bringing scarcity into it and and the whole concept of the funnel you know get have lots of sales calls filter down nurture people and bring them through this funnel i mean i, I just hate that word these days i know it had a place in marketing maybe 10 years ago, but I've sort of never felt comfortable with it. And now I think it's, you know, it's just, it's a metaphor for the customer journey, I guess, but it, it's not a real good one. So I like to think of customer journeys in a different way. But the idea of scarcity, hey, buy today and you'll get a 10% discount or there's only one spot left or these sort of things. So tell us a little bit more about what to do instead of, bringing those things in yeah i'm i'm right there with you um i really i'm not a fan of this because especially in the coaching world people like people need to be ready to go through that transformation right we, we can't like trick them into buying today onto something that they're not quite ready so instead of that what i do is i really challenge people on the calls i challenge them i make sure that and i help them realize if they're actually ready or not, because sometimes they come on, on the call, they think they're ready, and I throw some rocks at that, and it ends up that they're not ready, and they're like, oh, wow, like I am not ready for this. And now I've just saved them, let's say 10,000, let's say what I hmm. cost 10K, and they would very likely would have failed if they would have joined today because they are not ready for whatever reason, right? It's not, it's not the highest on their priorities right now. They've got other stuff to take care of. Hmm. So now I'm the guy who just saved them money and I'm the guy who did not sell them something that they would have bought probably. And and this is, this is completely like shifting everything, you know, for them, especially in relation with me. This is where I build massive trust and, 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 um, rapport with them. So I'd rather do it like that because if I trick someone to join when they're not really ready, like I was saying, it's not going to be the best point. They're probably like, they're not going to get the results. 
And I'm some like personally, I care. Like I, I want all my clients to win, and like I, I go all in with my clients. So it, I have to feel like it's the same thing. And like you say, customer journey. Like they, they thought they were at the decision stage. They're not quite there. They're still at the consideration stage or whatever stage because they have other stuff to take care of. But these people, like very often, they'll come back to me. Like, there's no way that they're gonna like hook up with another coach in the same world. Like two weeks later, just from what we've done, they're like, I'm in. And oftentimes, these people, even though we're not clients yet, they will start following me. They will start like praising me. They will start sending me referrals, even if they've never worked with me, just based on on this example here. Yeah. This is very rich for me. Yeah, you, I I think there's so much gold in what you just shared there. There's that's really important. If you think of, let's say, okay, this this person's really keen. I'm desperate to get another client on board, so I'll take them on board. But there's something that's not quite right. I'm not really sure, but they're keen to go, so let's do it. Um, then they, for whatever reason, they don't achieve what you've promised because they don't do the work, they've got too much other stuff going on, they're not committed, it turns out it's not actually that important to them. So they leave with a bad experience and they go and talk to other people about that bad experience. And guess what? It's always my fault. It's not the other yeah. person who didn't do the work. And the other, the other side of that scenario is, okay, I've highlighted to that person they're not quite ready for this because they've got all these other things going on um so get your house in order first as being not nice <laughs> calling them out get your house in order first and then yeah. let's talk again if you're still interested they go away and they say hey this person told me i wasn't ready um if you're interested in that service go talk to him because he won't you know he, he'll let you know if you're not ready and if you're ready I reckon he's going to be really good. I've had people where the plan was like, let's reconnect in three months because you got to go through this. And then they would call me the next day and say, can we do a second call? I want to bring my wife on. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. And then they would both tell me that our first conversation prompted them to have a really like reorganizing priorities. And then you realize that you really wanted like, and now finally was fully committed with, you know, with the, with the support of the partner Okay, right, but now, now, okay, now, now it's we're good to go because you you've made that commitment with yourself and, and you're fully aligned. Okay, so and some sometimes it doesn't pan out, but in all cases, when I go to bed at night, I don't want to tell myself like it's so easy to tell ourselves as coaches, oh, you know, my client didn't do the work, so it's on him. Yes, but also it's on me because I kind of saw that on the sales call and I brought him in anyways. Like that, you're right. That's that's a part that I'm responsible for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, this is fabulous, Pat. I mean, I could go on talking for ages, but I just noticed the time. So I think it's a good point now on that note to move on to the buzz, which is the same five questions I ask of every guest. It's our innovation round. And the idea is that you'll share some more tips that will inspire the listener to go and do something awesome as a result today. Okay, let's do it. All right. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Ah, uh, I would say, well, for me, um, 
I would say continuously put myself in unfamiliar and uncomfortable situations, meaning see in a, a new country, meet new people, try something that scares me. Um, if, if I'm an extrovert by nature, I'm going to like explore being introvert. So I'm always like trying to explore the other side of myself. And that almost always opens up new ways of thinking, new ideas. Hmm. So you're always stretching the boundaries and moving into different areas. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things, and my business coach really highlights this, is if we're feeling uncomfortable or if we're thinking, oh, this is this is really challenging, this is hard, that's great because you're learning. That means you're learning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I can I can be playing my with my niece and nephew. They're like five and three. And like my strategy, my business strategy, that there's something that was like evading me just clicks because I'm doing something else and I just have this flash. So yeah, like going into other new directions often helps. Hmm. Right. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Um, for me, it's understanding. That, and I, I used to always make this mistake. I would sit myself down, pen and paper. Um, and I was like, I'm not going to stand up until I figure out this strategy uh, or this new idea, this new product, because I have a, I went to school and I did a master's in corporate strategy and that's what they thought they, they, they taught us to do, which is mm. like not the best idea. So for me, the best thing I do to develop new stuff and, and good stuff is co-creating with someone else. So like, um, it's, it's, it's shooting with a current, for example, in Mexico or anyone else. Like that's mm. where. I, f I find it so rich because I get challenged and, and, and people bring such great ideas and, and yeah, like that, that's really the way that I, that I go. Hmm. So conversations with other people, bouncing ideas back and forth and challenging assumptions and yeah. Yeah, expanding, exactly. Expanding horizons with other people. Yes, absolutely. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Yeah, um, for, are we staying on the theme of innovation? Yeah, whatever. Okay, uh, one of my favorite resources would be Google Flight. <laughs> Google Flight. Yeah. Like it's, it's the best thing. Like I'm gonna, I'm, like I say, like I'm gonna stay on that theme. I, I'm gonna fly somewhere. It's gonna completely unlock everything for me. It's gonna, uh, I can, like, even just on the plane, just on the plane, going somewhere, um and talking to per like i'm the guy who's going to talk to the person next to me whether she wants to sleep or not <laughs> yeah i'm going to do it anyways um i'm very oblivious to these things so yeah like that for me this is very rich so like that's that's a good tool um another like productivity wise um i'm i like i like like every good entrepreneur i have the ura ring which is the ring that allows you to understand your sleep patterns how well you sleep and stuff like that i've been using this for the past few months and it's been fixing my sleep and i wake up way more like i feel like i've got more gas in the tank and it's just been working wonders for my productivity so like you know if we go tactical that's something that's been really a game changer for me so far mm, fascinating all right yeah sleep sleep is really important and that reminds me i've got a guest appearance next week i think it is uh, just double checking here on a podcast that's all about 
sleep. Uh, they really? Invited, they invited me on. I'm not sure what we're talking about because I'm certainly not an expert on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. We'll have to check that one out. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's the best way to keep a client on track? Um, I think it starts at the beginning. So very clear expectations from the start. And then the courage to communicate the difficult messages, like whether it's for mm. our, ourselves, I'm going to call myself out if I'm, if I've been slacking or for my client as well. Yeah, that, that's a really good point to, um, the courage to deliver difficult messages, but to yourself as well. Yeah. Which I think is a, a really underrated skill and one that probably most of us avoid even more than giving a difficult message to another person. I've had this client. I, I helped him out for three months. Didn't work out. Like a new coach, and he was like, Pat, I'm giving you the last of my money. Uh, Australian dude moved to Toronto. I'm like, okay. And I kind of, I did not challenge him enough. He get at the, the end of the three months, and he says, Pat, like, you know, I hate to do this, but I need to ask for a refund. It was just the first time someone ever, like, asked me for a refund. And I got really mad mostly at myself, but I let him have it. <laughs> but the first time I gave him a real honest conversation, um, and I'm like, look, like like I felt you, and, like we both felt each other. So we were like, okay, let, let's try something. Let's, I will refund you, but before we get there, let's like, I need you to go all in and I need me to go all in. Like we need to learn from this and grow from this. And one day it's going to be like an amazing story. And I won't go into telling the story, but like now he's running a multi-million dollar business. And that was like two, three years ago. We, we completely turned things around just by agreeing to be like 100% honest and transparent, like with the relationship and doing the work and, and just like raising our hands whenever we had something to say and saying it. So yeah, like that's something I'll, I'll try never to forget in the future. Mm. That's a great story and a great lesson. All right. And what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Well, that's something I, I, I teach on my, you know, for my clients on their sales calls, but I think it's good for anywhere in the world, uh, whether you're in the board, boardroom or at school, or whatever. I would say for me, it's a mix of caring, hmm. deeply caring for the other person, but also being radically honest. If you can have both, if someone understands that you've got their their back really, and you're genuine about it, you're gonna you, you know like how to make friends and influence people. I guess like that could be the only two things in the book, and and it will work for people. <laughs> yeah, and yes, there might be a book in your future. Then um, it has to be a different title, obviously, but it could be just those two points, but lots of stories and examples of how you do that and what happened. All right, I guess so. Like, Let's put that on the bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks, Patrick. This has been really great. Now, where can people find out more about you and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? Yeah, um, very active on Facebook. So if they just go and type in Sales Champ Academy, they'll see I have a free community where I actually give a lot, so lots of training and resources. So if you're looking to uh, improve your sales calls, for example, and, and master it and do it in a way that is is not like icky and doesn't make you feel salesy, more than welcome to join and we're just going to connect there. Hmm. All right. Well, we'll post that link in the show notes. I, actually, I'm curious because I know, Karan, 
uses Facebook for his group as well, and you use Facebook. And um, I'm kind of pretty much on a Facebook diet for probably since COVID started, I think. So, and every now and then, um, my cycling buddies who still post on Facebook when they're going to meet up for a ride, they say, didn't you see my post? And I say, hey, send me a text message or something because I'm just not going on Facebook anymore. Um, But yeah, I, I noticed there are still people who use Facebook for the groups and, and I still have groups on Facebook and I post to them, but I don't actually engage much in there. Um, what's your feeling about, you know, where Facebook's headed with this and whether they're, um, whether it's still a good idea to have those communities on Facebook? Yeah, I feel Facebook is still great, but there's a lot more noise than a few years ago, just like a lot of the different platforms. So I, for me, I try, I try not to follow the tactics. Uh, it's more about the principles. So if you, if you've got something that truly helps people, even if it gets really crowded, you'll be okay. Um, I try not to follow. Yeah. Like, like we see a lot of the people following the same tactics. Like just, just be yourself, do your thing at like truly seek to add value. And, um, like I like Facebook because it's a great, like just, just everyone's there. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I like to go where people are and f- like from there, like I said, I give value. And when someone's like interested, they check out my profile and then they come into my world, into my house, they go on my website, they, they consume and then eventually they book a call. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it works great. Yeah. So the real, the real deeper connections done on your own property, essentially. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have some parting advice for our listener today? Um, sales calls are amazing. <laughs> sales calls are amazing. They are really an opportunity to truly connect with someone. And I personally feel that we all crave connection. So don't put a mask on. Just, just be mm. yourself. It's okay. It's okay. Actually, one of the things I did want to ask was, because we've talked a lot about how to do the sales call, how do you get people onto the call? Oh, um, my God. So you mean like what's the, like the marketing uh, that leads to people going to call? Yeah. Yeah. So let's say, let's say you connect with someone, whether it's through your group on Facebook or, um, yeah, well, through your group on Facebook probably is the logical place. And yeah. how do you, what's the step to actually get them onto a call and do all the things that you yeah. I'm not, so I'm going to be honest, I'm not so good at outbound. I'm not so good at reaching out and saying, hey, Jurgen, and start like trying to qualify, like a more inbound, meaning I will connect with people. Um, I will like, for example, let's say you're friends with Curran and I'm friends with Curran. So Facebook shows, shows me one of your posts and I genuinely enjoy the post. I'm going to stop on the post. I'm going to, I'm going to like add to it meaningfully. I'm going to take five minutes. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to add to it. I'm going to send you a friend request and I'm probably going to say something like, Hey, Jurgen, um, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if you're friends with Curran, but I just saw your stuff. I love that post, by the way. Thanks for the share. Keep going. And from there, a lot of conversations would just naturally start happening. But because like my profile is explains what I do, like, mm. I don't really need to push into that. And it's more people who will come to me, but I okay. do take some yeah. time out of my day to, to, to do that. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's great advice actually. So it's essentially you start a conversation with people who 
with whom whose content you you resonate and you're exactly. honest you're honest about it so you're, you're setting the tone straight away you're honest and transparent um and generally i mean i know i do that if somebody that i don't know comments on one of my posts I, well who is that so i'll go look at the profile and if and then if the profile is really interesting that's where the, the yeah next step and, happens. And, so. and even if we want to dive into psychology like you worked hard to to carve that post to post that post hmm. and now there's this person that comes that gives it some love that adds to it like of course you will accept connecting with me and you will engage within a conversation like it you know like because i there's a gift of me of my time. I bring something meaningful as opposed to just blasting like 50 friend requests and just like mm. scripting the same message to everyone. I think there's, there's a lot of that, but I don't believe in that at all. Actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's fabulous advice tacked onto the end of our, your parting advice. So really sure, double whammy you. there. Thanks. <laughs> and finally, Pat, who else should I get on this show and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, Okay, I have this friend, Alex Trin, in Montreal, and he's a builder of businesses. And uh, he, I, 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 he doesn't believe in being a solopreneur, that's for sure. So, like, he very quickly federates a few people around him, launches a project, and brings the project from zero to seven figure very quickly. And he's doing it again and again and again. He's a really good friend of mine, so I will reach out to him and make sure to bring him and set him in front of you if, if you do so want. <laughs> Excellent. Well, sounds fascinating. I mean, that's that's uh, pretty amazing. That um, it sounds like a, a bit of a machine or a flywheel. <laughs> exactly. Yes, and he does it in like in all all different sorts of industries, which is like just mind blowing for me. He's really good at finding the right people, organizing everything, and like, like executing with the team. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, I look forward to that conversation as well. Sure. So thanks. Thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights with us today. It's been a fascinating conversation. You've given us lots of insights into um, you know, reframing that sales call as this is just a conversation where I add value to you, you add value to me, and maybe there's a sale at the end of it, but it's all about being transparent, being honest, calling both ourselves out as well as the other person. And um, yeah, it's been a fascinating conversation. So thanks for that. All the best for the future. And let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to your next conversation. I hope you enjoyed that delightfully informative conversation with Pat and took something away from his episode. Pat's totally honest and transparent approach is one that I can certainly relate to, and I love the idea of viewing sales calls in a different light, a conversation to add value. I'm really curious to know what you took away from Pat's episode. Do leave a comment below the blog post, and you can find that at innovabiz.co forward slash Patrick Laverne. That is P-A-T-R-I-C-K. L-A-V-E-R-G-N-E, all lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Patrick Laverne. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Pat, as well as links to the Sales Champ Academy website, to Pat's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. 
Pat suggested that we have a conversation with Alex Trin, founder of Shift Agency, on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Alex, keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Patrick Laverne. I'd love you to leave a review on this episode because we really want to know what you like most about our podcast and it ultimately helps us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz to pick your preferred review platform. And you can follow the show by going to followthepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including CEO of the Evolved Group, Gareth Chandler, and founder of Rational Games, Dr. Mark Young. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.